when what you have prepared and just even before you know the Lord is just kind of still ministering and and speaking before it's even happening we're in the prayer room at the back and some of the prayers that are being lifted up some of the worship songs that were being sung they're just in line with what is kind of coming so it's just such a joy that the Lord knows what he's doing thank the Lord he knows what he's doing right praise God will you bow your heads with me let's just pray Father we want to thank you that you are such an awesome God, that you knew exactly what would, we, what would be brought today, Father, what would be communicated, Father, that even before, Lord God, this point in the service, Father, you have already been speaking. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God who speaks today. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, as always, will you anoint my mouth, Father, to bring forth your word, Lord, as you inspired the gospel writers, God. Will you inspire us this morning, Holy Spirit? Will you stir hearts? Will you challenge us where we need to be challenged, God? And, Father, I pray that you will be honoured above all. So open our ears and our hearts, Lord. Father, as we attune to your whatever you want to say and whatever you want to bring, Holy Spirit, we just give you full charge and full reign. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, church, can you name this tune? Are you ready? Okay. People killing, people dying, children hurting, hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach or would you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. Because people got me, got me questioning, where is the love? And all together now? Where is the love, the love, the love? Take a bow, everybody. Well done. Now, can you name the song along with the artist? Anyone? Got it in one. Well done, Shirley. You're absolutely right. And it was a song written back in 2003, over 20 years ago, by a number of artists, including Will I Am, Justin Timberlake, just to mention but a few. And it would go on to become the biggest selling single, topping the charts in the US, the UK, and Australia. Receiving nominations for being the best sung collaboration along with the record of the year. It was a song that captured the cultural mood back then and it still continues to in a world that is bent on undoing itself. Because people are still asking this very pertinent question of where is the love? Because the world doesn't seem to know anymore. And that said, I've entitled this morning's message as simply, Love One Another. And it's the first part of a brand new One Another series that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks. And so if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the Gospel of John. And we're going to read from chapter 13 and verses 31 to 35. And it says this, when he, speaking of Judas, had left, Jesus said, 
Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you. Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now in our world today, instead of love, there seems to be an upward trend in apathy and indifference, fear and suspicion. I mean, there was once upon a time where you could walk down the street and the person coming towards you would either greet you with a top of the morning if you were in Ireland or a good morning if you were in England. And it was great. But now, it seems that no one wants to engage anymore. They either walk past with a scowl on their face or they are face down on their devices doing their best to avoid any contact whatsoever. And so, where is the love, right? And I'm glad you've asked because that's exactly what we're going to be looking at this morning. And so putting our text into context, it is Maundy Thursday. And our Lord, along with his disciples, are about to share their final meal together before the Lord is betrayed by one of his own. Because in just a few short hours from here, Jesus will be arrested and condemned, whipped, scourged and flogged and then eventually crucified on a wooden cross. The disciples would be scattered as the good shepherd is struck. And so, if ever they needed to lean on one another, then now would be the time. And so let's just walk through the text together, beginning from verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world. Now, our Lord, he came into this world for one reason and for one reason alone. In other words, he was born in that manger in Bethlehem in order to die upon that cross of Calvary. And that hour had now finally arrived. And can you imagine what is going on in the mind of our Lord at this time, knowing that it's all about to come to a head? Yeah. Verse 1 continued. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Such a loving and a faithful God. Praise him. Now, all throughout this chapter... Our Lord has been dropping hints as to the identity of the one who is about to betray him. 
It starts off subtly, but then towards the end it becomes as clear as the day. And I'll paraphrase. Verse 10. Peter, you are clean, but not everyone is. Verse 18. Not everyone is chosen. And in quoting Psalm 41 and verse 9, the Lord says, The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. In other words, someone is about to snake me and stab me in the back. And I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does, you will know that I am he. Verse 21. The Lord, troubled in his spirit, he says in no uncertain terms, truly I tell you, someone will betray me. And when the Lord puts a truly in front of a sentence, it's the word Amen, which means it's on, it's going down. And so Simon motions over to John to ask the Lord who it is. And the Lord tells him, the one I give the piece of bread to after I have dipped it, he is the one, namely Judas, the betrayer. And immediately, Satan enters Judas And the Lord tells him, do whatever it is that you're about to do. And that's the context of our passage. And nestled within it, we find these glorious words from our Lord when he says and instructs the disciples to love one another. It's quite surreal, is it not? I mean, in the midst of high treason and betrayal, instead of commanding the disciples to take vengeance and to settle scores, instead our Lord instructs them to love. Wow. Verse 34. I give you a new command. Love one another. Now, is this really a new command? Not exactly. Because the entire canon of scripture could be summarized in two synonymous commands, namely love God and love people. Matthew 22. So how is it new? Well, firstly, because it is a command that is given to the church and not to Israel. Secondly, it is an in-house command given to disciples for disciples. Elsewhere, we are commanded to love our enemies and those who are outside of the household of faith. But here, it is exclusively to love those who are in the faith. But the highest and the newest dimension of all is because we are to follow our rabbi's lead. That just as he loved us, we are to love and do likewise. Now, when Jesus issues this instruction to his disciples, he is not merely offering up a suggestion for their consideration. No. But rather, these are his departing words before he goes on the cross or if you like these are his final marching orders 
Now, the word love, as you may know, is the term agapao, which essentially means a self-sacrificial love. It's the kind of love where one lays their life down for the other. And so allow me to ask, do we have this type of love for one another? Are we willing to lay our lives down for brother such and such and for sister so and so? Are we? Now, I get it. Putting this type of command into practice isn't always easy. Especially if we have been hurt by somebody in our community. Perhaps we have been on the receiving end of a heated exchange or maybe someone said something unthinkingly and it was like a stab to the heart. And ever since... We have been harboring all sorts of resentments and hurts and wounds that have hindered us from carrying love for one another. I get it. In that living in community and in close proximity to others, there will always be both good times as well as bad times, highs as well as lows. That there will be times of camaraderie where, like soldiers, we will be on a mission together. But then there will be other times where we will rub each other up something silly. And we're not alone in this. Because we also see this in the lives of the disciples. Take Matthew, for instance. Israel's most hated Because of his profession as a tax collector. And then there is Simon the Zealot who hated all things Roman. And then there's Peter who is always putting his foot into his mouth as it were. My point is that there will always be conflict. Because we are not clones of one another. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because it's okay for us to agree to disagree on the non-essentials without actually falling out with one another. Right? Rick Warren put it this way. He said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. And the second is that to love someone means you have to agree with everything they believe or do. And both are nonsense. In other words, to disagree with someone on a particular stance doesn't necessarily equate to hate. No. Because we all may dine out and we may not dine in the same restaurant. We may not all have the same taste in music and neither will we all vote in the same way. We all have different strengths and weaknesses, callings and personalities and that is why we need one another. Because no one person holds the monopoly of it all. And so, true unity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. But true unity is found in our diversity where we are all different and yet unique.
united. Amen. You can say amen. amen. <laughs> and true spiritual maturity within a church context is where we can all unite on the foundations of the gospel. Of Christ crucified, risen and returning. And as long as we are in agreement on this, it's okay for us to agree to disagree upon the secondary issues. Like whether it was a six day literal creation account or when and how our Lord is returning. Just as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. Amen. And there will be times when we will fail. We will fail to love those nearest and dearest to us. Because we are all a part of Adam's fallen race. I mean, I often fail to love my wife in the way that I should. I often fail to love my family in the way that I ought. And I even fail to love you, the church, as I should. And before you all feel sorry for me in that... (laughs) You all fail in that too. You're welcome. However, where we all fail and fall short, there is one who succeeds. And that is why we read verse 31, where it says, Now the Son of Man is glorified, And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful, but this statement takes us back to John 12, 23, where Jesus said that the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And in that context... Jesus is referring to his death on the cross. You see, on the one hand, the cross represented humiliation and shame. Being stripped and flogged and being nailed to a splintered cross for all to see. But on the other hand, the cross was the epitome of glory for both the Father and the Son. Because it is at the cross where we see God's perfect attributes on display. His justice and his mercy, his wrath and his grace and his love and forgiveness all pouring forth from the cross. Dying in our place as our substitute and absorbing the just penalty for our sins. But at the same time, his love and his mercy shine forth, providing a full pardon for all who would place their trust in him. Thank you, Jesus. And when the Lord rose again on the third day, we see resurrection, exaltation, glorification and 
coronation as Jesus is hailed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, in light of our Lord's example at the cross, and as we have been singing about our servant King, he now calls us to follow him and to love in like manner. As John tells us elsewhere, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And then later on in the same chapter of the, the 19th verse, John goes on to say that we love him because he first loved us. I believe Hortens prayed this morning in our prayer time. In other words, it was God who made the first move. It was he who pursued us. And therefore, let us in turn love God, but love one another. Amen. Amen. Now, just before this command is issued, Jesus begins verse 33 with little children. And it's the plural form of technon, meaning dear ones or darlings, precious to the Father. Isn't it great how our Lord speaks so tenderly to his disciples? He's not, a, he's not a dictator telling them to get a grip and to get on with it. No. But like a loving parent, he speaks tenderly to them and to us. Because we are his children. Praise God. And as we love one another, as he has loved us, It is then that the world will know that we belong to him. You see, when Jesus taught us to love one another, he wasn't talking about us having nice thoughts about one another, which no one could see. But rather, he was talking about us having a love that is seen through our, not only our words, but also our deeds and action. Because it's that kind of love that will speak volumes to a self-centered world. But sadly, the church is more known for her infighting and her squabbling as opposed to her love for one another which is really sad you see if we want to show the world that we are followers of Jesus then dare I say it it will not be through the cross that we wear around our neck neither will it be through the bumper sticker upon our cars and neither will it be through the Christian t-shirt or the tattoo that we wear on our body but rather it will be through our love For one another. And it's a supernatural love. 
that is birthed only via the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is we cannot manufacture this type of love in our own strength, which is why Jesus had to come to break those walls down, to even break our hardened hearts open that we may love. And as we receive him, it is his spirit that begins to produce this love within us. It really does. And as we continue to abide in him, it is he who continues to empower us to love. Glory. Now, million dollar question. How exactly are we to love? Does it mean that we are to have warm, fuzzy feelings towards one another? Or whenever we greet each other on a Sunday morning, we are to say, I love you. Is that what it means? Thankfully, no. (laughs) But rather our Lord gives us a clue in our passage. You see, just before this command is issued, our Lord wraps a towel around his waist and he goes low to wash the disciples' feet. And thus he demonstrates servant love. And he leaves us an example to follow. Because as previously mentioned, the task of washing feet was a role that was reserved for a Gentile slave. That not even a Jew would do such a menial task because it was beneath them and it was against their purity laws. And as you know, the streets of Israel weren't exactly paved in marble and stone, but rather, and neither did they have any fancy bathrooms or flushing toilets that we are accustomed to in our day and age, but rather they were mucky and filthy. And so it was imperative that one wash their feet before they entered a home, and particularly before they But due to know there being no servant around at this point. Therefore the Lord of glory. He stoops low to perform a menial and a lowly task. And thus demonstrates love in action. Wow. I mean I don't think many people would choose to spend their final few hours on earth. To serve others. But rather, they would want to be served and be waited on hand and foot. Am I right? But not our Lord. Because the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28. Because love, it gives for the benefit of others. And it is selfless. And in doing such, our Lord modeled a practical way in which we could love one another via serving each other. Centuries later, Mother Teresa would take our Lord's example And she would travel all the way to Calcutta in India in order to serve a leper community out there. 
And whilst there, one day she was being interviewed by a journalist who asked her, and he said, tell me, how can you touch people with loathsome diseases like leprosy and gangrene? Aren't you revolted by people filthy with dysentery and cholera vomit? And she replied with, it is because I see Jesus in every human being. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that you all need to go sign up and go and serve in a leper community somewhere around the world. I mean, you can if you want to, if that's the way the Lord leads you. But you don't have to. Instead, why not start here? But if you consider Lighthouse your spiritual home and your church, then why not consider joining us and getting involved? Because we have a number of vacancies available, hint, hint. Like they're serving teas and coffees on the rotor once a month. Helping with the welcome team, assisting our technical teams, along with the Sunday schools, and just making yourselves available for wherever they may be the need, and not allowing the many appeals given week by week to fall on deaf ears. Amen. Amen. And there was silence. <laughs> you see, some of you. You go above and beyond in your service to the Lord. And we see you and we honour you and we thank you for what you do. We really do. But there are others who do very little to nothing. Apart from dipping in and out of church whenever they feel like it. And whenever the benediction is given towards the end of the service, they have bolted for the door and never wanting to get involved. And so as your pastor, can I lovingly challenge you this morning? Do not remain on the fringes, but please get involved. Because as you become a part of this community, it is then that you will begin to grow. Otherwise, your growth in the Lord will be stunted and you will be blowing in the wind. So come on. We need you guys. We need you to get involved, to get plugged in, and to help. Amen. Amen. I hope those amens are translated into names and Everything else, I really do. You see, there is this 1090 rule that applies across the board in a number of non-profit organizations along with churches. And it says this, that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. But what if we could reverse that? And have 90% of the people, the majority, carrying out a fraction of the work. Because that way everything gets covered. And the church is then released to do what she is supposed to do. Populating heaven whilst plundering hell. And being about the Father's business. Amen? Amen. But that requires you, church, to play your Part. And so, I do hope 
that over the next few days or even week that I am inundated with requests and emails along the, along the lines of saying, Pastor, what can I do and how can I get involved and how can I serve? Amen. Amen. In fact, I've gone one better. Instead of the emails, there are sign-up sheets in the foyer <laughs> for a number of positions. And I would love for that, those sheets to be full, saying, what can we do? Because the more people that are on there, the less we all have to do, as opposed to overburdening just a few individuals. Amen. Amen. You see, it's not about foot washing. But it's about being the community of faith and being the people of Jesus who are marked by a different spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of love. Amen. Amen. Now, earlier in the year, I came down with this horrible bug. It's a nasty thing that was going around. And it completely wiped me out to the point where I couldn't even come out on a Sunday service. And a number of you lovely people sent me some kind messages that you were praying for me. And I was so touched. It was wonderful. And then a couple of days after, a couple texted me to say that they had made some soup and that they're bringing it over. And at this, I was just bowled over because no one apart from my mum and Becky had ever done such a thing. And so to me, it was like Jesus coming to me. It's like that passage where the Lord says, I was sick and you came to me. Amen. Now, I don't want to embarrass them. But I want to honour them because we are an honouring church. And so thank you, David and Carol, for loving me enough, for bringing me a flask of soup that day. It was delicious. And I must get that recipe from you, Carol. I really must. So church, let us take Christ's example And let us be obedient to his command. And let us love one another. Not only via our mouth and lip service. But through our words and our deeds. So as a watching world looks on. They will see that these guys belong to Jesus. Because of the love that they have for one another. Amen. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him 
and given him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So let us take our cue from our Lord and let us have the mind of Christ. So if anyone ever asks us, where is the love? We will be able to show them through our love for one another. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Come precious Father. My Father, we thank you. As we just take a moment, Father, to try to hold what you have done for us. God, we find it so unfathomable. That the Lord of glory, the one who is seated upon the throne, would choose to come and take up that lowly position of tying a towel around his waist and washing the toes of humanity. And yet, Lord Jesus, you did all that you did for our example, God. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, that as we look to you, as you have, what you have done in our hearts, God, that you remove that that stony heart from, from among us, Lord. And, Father, you brought us into your kingdom. You cleaned us up, God. You dusted us off, Father. And you have made us brand new one day, Lord, to be seated with you, God, in glory. So, Father, in the meantime, we do pray that your church will become your church. A church, Father, that represents you well, God. That we will come away from this consumeristic mindset, Lord, of what is it in it for me. Or I didn't get much from that message today. I didn't get much from the worship today. didn't quite do it for me. Instead of having that consumeristic mindset, God, I pray, will you break that? And Father, will you cause us to become servant leaders taking your lead? Help us, Lord Jesus, to love one another, Father, with Christ-like love, God, so that the world looking at us, God, will see that, Jesus, you are the Lord of your church, Lord God, that you are in the midst of her. So, Father, we pray. Give us the grace that we need. We thank you, God, that you never bring condemnation, but you do convict. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that where you have been pressing upon the hearts of your people this morning, God, I pray that they will be followed by obedience, Lord God, to you, to your call, because it's your church and she is your bride and it is your kingdom, God. So, Father, stir our hearts and lead us, Lord God, in the way that you would see fit. And, Lord, may you do it all for your glory and for your honour 
and for your name because God, you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.